0: And Welcome to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with John Brightman. We have the silent assassin working remotely for us tonight, and uh, we think that things are working on YouTube. See, everything's all messed up in here. I don't have any computer access. I I didn't turn you on yet.
1: (laughs) You're you're out of a computer screen? I
0: I don't have any internet access, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, Matt's working uh, over there, and uh, so I'm assuming that people can hear us. On YouTube, you're in the chat room. I am, time, I and I haven't seen. They'd let you know if they couldn't hear us. They'd be complaining. They, they said that they're hearing a title. I don't know what that means. Well, I, that's
1: that's all that that's all they say.
0: I don't know what hearing a title means. But uh, you know, all the buttons are lit up the way they're supposed to be. So hopefully, it's it's working the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, but uh, we are going to talk about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we will be joined by Dr. Glenn McPherson. He's going to be talking about talking with us about some of these mysterious hums that people have been hearing. Yeah, we still don't. There's no audio, Matt, over there. So I'm going to let him try and figure that out. Uh, but there's, there's these mysterious hums that have been heard all over the, the country, all over the world. And uh, he's going to join us to try and f- help us figure out what some of those might be, and talk about. There's been some reports of them here in this area, and I, you know, I'd pull it up on the internet and talk about it, but I d- can't. So, um, <laughs> but there there have been some in this area because we've been getting reports from people about them being in Westport. We've gotten reports about them being in Dartmouth. Uh, I know out your way,
1: John. You said you've heard them a few times. Yes. Yeah. You can uh, different you know, two, three times a week, at least during the summer, when I have my windows open, you can actually hear what sounds like a humming somewhere between 10, 11 o'clock at night till two, three in the morning. Um, it's like this vibrating sound, almost like a, a sound wave almost going through the ground. I I don't know how to explain it other than that, but, um, it's, uh, it's definitely weird. And they are saying that they can't see anything but the logo in the chat. Yeah,
0: Matt's got it like that while he's trying to okay. figure out what's going on. Uh, he he doesn't have the audio, so he didn't know that we started. So okay. I just messaged him and told him we did. But, hey, our first priority is for the radio. So yep. if you're watching on, you know, just tell them on YouTube. Yep. Put on the W the WBSM app or the audio on the Spooky South Coast app because, you know, this isn't a YouTube-only show. We're on the radio. i got to just pretend like the video stuff isn't happening and, and keep moving forward. Uh, so we will be joined by Glenn McPherson a little bit later on to talk about those weird hums, and we'll take your calls on them too as well. If you've had had it happen where you are, you can give us a call 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can also uh, join us in the chat room. John can see the stuff in the chat. Matt's working on getting everything else up and running, but uh, for now, you know, we'll just we'll just uh, work. With what we have, and then also later on in the show, we'll be joined by our friend Ross McHugh, who he's been—you've heard him on the show before. He's been on as a caller. We're going to have him come into the studio and hang out and talk about some of the stuff. Matt, I see it's going now. Matt's Matt's a genius; he figures yes. it all out. Yes. Uh, so it's
1: saying, "Here we go; it's on." So you know
0: what we're going to do, Matt? We're just going to pretend like we just started the show. <laughs> So good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Uh, no, people will, people will catch up with what's going on in the video. So we will be joined by Glenn McPherson coming up in just a little while uh, to talk about those mysterious hums that have been heard all over the world. Uh, and then later on in the show, we'll be joined by our friend Ross McHugh, who will share with us some of his experiences out in the world of the paranormal. And he's also a musician, and uh, we'll probably talk to him a little bit about that stuff as well. And we'll take your calls throughout the course of the show, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Uh, I'd tell you to, you know, you could email and all that stuff. But, well, email works. I get that on my phone. SpookyCrew at com. You can tweet us at SpookySC. Uh, I wouldn't use hashtags tonight because I won't be able to follow along.
1: That's just true. We're
0: just going to make the most out of it of what we have. And... Uh,
1: We'll, we'll power our way through it. I'll tell you, it's weird sitting here with, like, nobody to the left.
0: Right. Well, it, imagine when, I, when you're here and you're the only person here. That's when I really that's I've done some of those shows, too. Yeah, that's got to be. Where it's just me and I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I think people are listening, but I'm not sure. So, in, in effect, I'm just talking to myself. And when I do those shows, I do them Art Bell style. Like oh, really? I, I, I come in here and I turn off the TV and I turn off all the lights and I just sit here in the dark and I talk about weird things. <laughs> so if I'm going to be alone, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, creep myself out because I'm the only one listening. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to do before we get into uh, the talk with uh, Glenn McPherson about the hums is hang on. I'm going to roll back. There's been a very couple of uh, interesting news stories that have uh, been in the news this week. And, and I wanted to talk about these a little bit with the audience, and, and we can get your thoughts on them as well, John. So this first one, this one is from New York. Peggy Brunner, this comes from the uh, New York Daily News. Peggy Brunner was preparing dinner when her phone began ringing Sunday night. She grabbed her cell and stopped cold the moment she saw the name that flashed on the screen. Desi, as in Desiree Gibbon, her 26-year-old niece who was murdered in Jamaica two months ago. The slain queen's woman's cell phone was never recovered, and her killing remains unsolved. I got goosebumps from my head to my toes. Brunner told the Daily News, but her hope for a breakthrough was dashed when she answered the call at precisely 5:26 p.m. and was met by silence on the other end. Brunner missed a second call from Gibbons' phone some six hours later at 11:43. When she tried to call back, Brunner got the message she hears anytime time she dials her niece's number: "This phone is not working." This is a longer story than I realized. The Mysterious calls out a fresh layer of intrigue to a case that has stumped local authorities and left Gibbons' family frustrated over the slow-moving investigation. So now they have been in contact with the authorities. Uh, the authorities uh, say that they had no idea where the cell phone was. Uh, there, she had a local phone with her that she was using, uh, but when she left the hotel, she was only carrying her American cell phone. So this phone, which was... Inactive while she was there. She had one that would, you know, get signal. A lot of us do that when we travel. We get, you know, like a a disposable phone, something that's just a, you know, single use kind of thing. And uh, so she left with just her regular cell phone on her, which shouldn't be able to make calls from where it was. So they're getting these calls and they're thinking that it might be from whoever it was that took her.
1: Took her, yep.
0: Trying to use the phone, but or somebody found the phone and and is like calling home, you know, like just trying to find somebody that might know whose phone it is. Uh, But, uh, so this was given to me by Phil Palliologos, the morning show host here at WBSM, and he wrote a note on it. He has a hunch that the call is actually coming from the spirit of Desiree Given, the woman who was murdered. This wouldn't be the first time that I've heard
1: of this. I was just going to say that. I've heard that before. Um, people have told me, you know, when we when we would have the group and go into an investigation, we'd ask things that went on. And I've had different places say or people say, you know, well, one thing that happened, our our home phone kept getting these phone calls. And, you know, the name would come up and it was from somebody that passed away in our family and they shouldn't be calling us. So it's, it's something I've heard before. And I actually almost wrote a whole book about it because
0: uh, there was enough stories that I had heard of. The same thing you know some with caller ID now it makes the stories all the more interesting. Mm-hmm. Because now you know when it's coming from somebody's phone. And there's been stories where I've heard of, you know, I already took that person's phone after they died and gave it to somebody else. Uh, or, uh, you know, we got rid of the phone. Or the really creepy stories are, I know where that phone is. It's sitting in the drawer without a battery in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's there's stories like that that happen where people say there's no way that anybody else could have possibly have made that call and have it come from that person's caller ID. But even before that, there were stories of people who, uh, you know, before the days of cell phones and and caller ID where people would get a phone call, usually at weird hours, or maybe at a time when they were thinking about somebody who had passed away, the phone would ring, and they would pick up the phone, and that person's voice would be on the other end. So they were, these spirits were able to somehow, some way, reach out over these telephone lines and be able to... uh, be able to communicate with this person. I'm just going to turn down my volume here on my
1: phone. We're having, it, it, an, we're having an interesting night yet. It was down. I don't know
0: why. Maybe it's the same thing we're talking about right here. But it, uh, I'm I'm trying to open this up so I can see the chat myself. So uh, the these stories have been prevalent for a long, long time. D. Scott Rogo actually wrote a book about it, I think in the 70s or the early 80s, where he researched a bunch of these cases. So it's not anything that's unheard of. It's not anything that is new to paranormal researchers. No. It's just that as the technology has changed, the way that spirits are communicating via the telephone has changed.
1: Well, you know, there is something funny, though, that can be added to this. that, And I've noticed it on mine, and I'm sure with your cell phone, you might have it or anybody in the chat. There's certain different programs that you can get for, like, caller IDs on your phone now. Mm -hmm. And the one that I have, if somebody calls me, Or even if I call them and I do not have their number saved, it actually shows the name of the person that had it before. Like, for instance, the other day I called a restaurant to get an order on my way home. Mm -hmm. When I called, the number actually came up to a registered person instead of that business. And it showed their Facebook picture beside it. So maybe something like that, somebody's calling in from that number by accident Maybe misdialed, but it's coming up under somebody else.
0: Yeah. See, that's I. I got really weirded out when my phone was ringing one day, and the caller ID said scam likely. Yep. I'm like, why? Well, my phone already can figure out when it's a scam call. That's pretty. Yep. And now I realize I get that call like seven, eight times a day. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm glad it's filtering out. I hope it isn't somebody that really wants to reach me. <laughs> you know, like it's scam likely, but it's actually like my grandmother. Yeah. Like, right. My yeah. grandmother's dead, so that would be a that'd be a ghost call too. And another story that happened locally here as well that I want to share, and I wanted I was going to take the, because we have this in the WBSM News, I was going to take the edited version of this and read it, but there's so many weird details in the story that I I just want to give it to you as is. And this, this comes from the Brockton Enterprise. It was written by Sarah Klein. East Bridgewater women charged in voodoo assault. Two East East Bridgewater women tied up, burned, and disfigured a five-year-old Randolph girl to rid her of a demon that was making her misbehave, according to East Bridgewater police. The women, who were facing multiple assault charges, also threatened to cut off the head of the girl's eight-year-old brother and what police described as Haitian voodoo rituals inside a home at 31 West Union Street in East Bridgewater. The ritual was done upon the mother's request, police said. Peggy Labossiere, 51, and her sister Rachel Hilaire, 40, were held without bail Monday after pleading not guilty during their arraignments in Brockton District Court on charges of mayhem, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, assault and battery on a child with injury, indecent assault and battery on a child under age 14, and threatening to commit a crime, that being murder. The women who were arrested January 26th appeared briefly again Thursday in court for a hearing to determine how dangerous they are. That hearing was continued. In mid-January, East Bridgewater police were called by Randolph police to perform a health and welfare check on a Randolph woman and her two young children, a five-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son. The two had been staying with Labossiere and Hilaire at their apartment in East Bridgewater, according to the police. Labossiere is a client of the mother, who is a hairstylist. Labossiere and Hilaire are identified as sisters in the police report. At the East Bridgewater residence, police found the mother and children... The girl had a large third-degree burn across her face, according to the police. The mother told police her daughter had woken up with the burn a few days earlier and that it was caused by a demon leaving the girl's body. The mother said she is of Haitian descent and believes in the religion of voodoo, which originated in Haiti in the 18th century and is centered around the worship of spirits. During a subsequent interview with children, the girl told police that she, her brother, and mother went to Labossier's house in East Bridgewater for a sleepover, where they stayed for multiple days and slept on air mattresses. While there, the sisters tied down the girl on two occasions, securing her hands to a stick above her head and tying her feet together so she formed a cross. The victim stated that Labossier would lean over her and kiss her all around her face like a snake and used a pointy object like a needle to cut her on the arm and collar area. Labossière cut her enough so cut her so enough so many times enough that she bled. Labossière blew fire over the girl's face using a stick on fire as the mother and Hilaire held the girl down, the boy told police. While tied up, Labossière put water and an unknown substance that looked like it came from a green lemon on the girl's eyes which stung, the girl told police. The woman left her like that until her mother returned from work, the report did not specify how long she was tied up. In addition, LaBossiere threatened to cut off the boy's head using a machete, as she stated in the report. At one point, LaBossiere held a long stick to his throat, making it hard for the boy to breathe. She made the boy undress and rubbed his entire body with a plant-like substance and blew fire over him. He stated that she, LaBossiere, told him he wanted to have sex with girls. Both siblings told police that they did not know why these things were done to them. East Bridgewater Police Deputy Chief Paul O'Brien said cases like this involving voodoo are rare. Once police found the children at the residence, they were taken to the hospital. Both smelled of smoke. Doctors found a piece of string tied around the girl's body, and a doctor said the burn on the girl's face would be a permanent disfigurement. The children were taken into custody by the Department of Children and Families. The mother was evaluated at a Brockton hospital and then sent to Pembroke Hospital for mental health treatment. At this time, there were no criminal charges being filed against the mother. So they did try to say that they, they, they denied threatening the boy with the knife. They denied rubbing the boy or putting a stick to his throat. They did say they performed cleansing baths on the children, which, incur, which included putting frankincense and eucalyptus oils and sea salt on their bodies while burning myrrh. And so they say that it was the oils that caused the, the fire on the girl's body. But uh, Labossier further stated they performed this for friends and family members in the past, and that children are susceptible to the, bur- susceptible to the burning when an evil spirit Leaves the body, so that's a pretty messed
1: up story. That's why I want to read the details of it because that's that's it's just amazing but sick at the same time. Um, amazing that somebody would do that to kids, but sick and twisted at the same time that they would do something like that.
0: And it sounds like, you know, these women, all three of them, the two sisters that conducted the ritual and the mother, it sounds like they all believe in the power of it Mm -hmm. and that they thought that this girl was really just misbehaving because she had a demon inside of her.
1: You you know, we've talked about this before personally and once or twice on the air, but there's so so much of that going around now even in the paranormal field that you get these people that first thing they run into is oh it's a demon it's this or that inside there we got to do an exorcism on them to come to find out it is some type of mental illness or it's maybe that they weren't taking the meds that they were supposed to be taking because they have bipolar or schizophrenia something like that and that's what's making them do this it's not a demon per se um It's just crazy that people jump to that conclusion right away instead of actually using their head and doing a little bit of research to figure out maybe the obvious sides of things.
0: Well, one of the things that worries me is that when it comes to that level of belief – It's more powerful than anything, you know, true faith in something Mm -hmm. is probably going to be more powerful than any rationale that you try to tell the people. So these, you know, the, the doctors that are now involved in this, you know, the mothers under mental health observation, the police, the authorities, the judge, whoever, you know, they can tell these folks involved all they want, that what they did was wrong, but if they firmly believe that what they did was right, then it's going to stay that way and they're not going to be able to to make them see another side because that power of belief becomes so powerful it becomes all encompassing.
1: Oh you're absolutely right. The uh the power of like you said the belief but but whatever they believe in whether it be God or this or that that is an imperfect example is that TV show Waco uh about mm-hmm. the whole thing. He believes so strongly that he was the second coming of Jesus or the Messiah of Jesus, whatever you want to put it. He he was able to convince everybody to believe him. So if your belief in faith is that strong, who knows you can't change that person's thought on that.
0: And there's, you know, there's also this, the argument that says just because what they did was illegal doesn't mean that it was wrong. I mean, and some that people religion. might argue that, that there was a demon that was, you know,
1: it's, yep. we, who, who are we to say that there wasn't a demon? That was controlling. And in that specific uh, religion or whatever you want to call it, they they might believe that that's the proper way to take care of it and do things. So, you know, who are we to say that that's not the right way? Um, things can change so crazy when it comes to dealing with people like that. And I know I've talked to you in the past about cases that we've dealt with, but we had one up in Salem, mass that we ended up having to do that and, uh, deal with a case when, when that came in and, um, you know, where the family literally thought the guy was possessed by a demon and he was hanging his head, his, uh, baby out a second floor window. And we actually had, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours that was involved with the case come up and she did a psychiatric evaluation of the guy and come to find out he wasn't on his meds. And, this whole other time the first investigators that were there were telling him oh no it's a demon we got to do an exorcism on you and uh it's just crazy you know once we were able to get the guy into the right treatment that he needed and and got him checked out uh he got to the hospital got back on his meds and things were working great for him from the last time we talked to him you know on a case like that we always like to check back with the family and see what's going on and You know, as last I know, he was doing good. He was taking his meds. And, you know, thank God we were able to get there before these other people actually tried doing the exorcism, which had no right, by the way, to do it. Um, He was actually able to, you know, take care of it and take care of himself and get away from the other people. So it, it worked out pretty well with that. But as for, you know, doing hoodoo or voodoo or any of that, Whatever they believe in, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna believe in their faith and think it's that's what it is. So it's very, uh, it's a very weird situation when you bring kids like that into it and um, get anybody involved.
0: Well, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I'm trying to call the guest uh, that's supposed to be joining us, and it, it's I don't have any. I have a phone, but I can't make long-distance calls all of a sudden, and I don't know why that is. Because the VIP line, which is what we call everybody on, is not working. There's not – it's not even coming into the system. Really? And the – I know i know they're putting in a new phone system here. We're getting these fancy new phones. I don't think they put a jack in here yet. But they we're getting these fancy new computerized phone system that's supposed to tie in the entire building. So I don't know if they're taking down some of those lines and putting them in, uh. but um, – Basically, I'm going to try and see if he can call us uh, because this is – but this is definitely not what I
1: was expecting. It it makes for an interesting night with the the phone lines not working, your Internet not working on the other computer. You know, It definitely makes for an interesting night to see what's going to happen.
0: So we'll – I sent him the email. We'll see if he can call us, and if he can – We'll have that discussion. If not, I know Ross is here. Is he? He's, uh, he went next door with with his guest that's with him. So they will be here with us at some point. So we can have the show. Matt was asking me if we fired off a commercial, and I said no. So I hope like someone didn't go over there because nothing should be firing off. This is, this is where if Stephanie was here, she'd be talking about Mercury Retrograde. Whether yes. it's Mercury Retrograde or not, I don't know. But this is where she'd be bringing it up anyway. Well, we did just have that
1: new, like, blue moon that's only happened in one in a million years or something. Right. And, I,
0: I don't know what's what's going on tonight. But yeah. But as far as I know, we're on the radio. Nobody's called up and said, hey, you know. But then again, maybe the phones aren't working.
1: Hey, this is true, too. But, I mean, people, you know are in the chat room saying they hear us, so everything's good across that, too. It's entirely possible that
0: they came in here and started doing work on the system, and they're like, nobody's here on the weekends. You know, after 1 o'clock on we don't Saturday, yeah, they totally forget that we're here. All right, the phone is ringing, so let's see if we can bring this caller in. Let me make sure I have both my pots up for this. All right. Let's see. Good evening. Uh, you're on Spooky South Coast. Is, is this Glenn?
2: It is. Hi, Tim. Hello.
0: Thank you so much for calling in. I'm sorry that we couldn't call you directly.
2: Oh, almost guaranteed we're going to have these uh, sort of uh, technical issues, aren't we?
0: Oh, so is, is, is it your fault? Does this happen with, with when you do interviews?
2: Oh, well, I mean, after about 30 or 40 or 50 of these, uh, I pretty much have uh, experienced it all now. <laughs>
0: well, I'm, I'm pretty excited then that it's not anything I'm doing. So I won't I won't get fired over this, which uh, is always a possibility. But so I wanted to talk to you because I saw the story come across the other day uh, that there's actually been you know numerous reports of these of these. And I'm sorry I would give you a nice good introduction uh, because you know that's all on the internet, which I can't seem to access right now. Uh, but right. before before we get into the discussion, just give everybody a little bit of your background.
2: Um. Well, my own uh, personal, professional, and uh, academic background is that for about 30 years, I've been a high school teacher of uh, physics and mathematics, calculus, psychology, biology, that sort of thing. Uh, I've trained mathematics teachers at University of British Columbia for about 16 years, and I still do contract work uh, with them. Um, the reason why we're talking and what has brought me to uh, a bit more... Uh, Public Limelight is my work with the World Map and Database Project.
0: And this is – And
2: just – sorry, before we continue, Mm -hmm. we're getting a little little bit of feedback back in my year, but uh, I'll see if I can turn my volume and control that. So uh, please please go ahead.
0: Sure. I'm going to try and pull some things down on my end as well. Uh, One of the – I mean, this is something that has been discussed for – We've been doing this show now we just celebrated our twelfth anniversary and we've probably been, probably been hearing about this for at least you know half of those years here in this local area that people will report hearing this hum and it's it's not just a uh, you know it's 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 not just something that is a vibration or something that you feel it's 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 something that has a, a physical impact on your body
2: um, well, I think we need to sort out quite a few things here in the time that we have uh, first of all the The Worldwide HUM is reasonably well established now through the um, documentation that I've been involved in, our mapping project and database project at www.thehum.info. And the the HUM was first reported in a widespread and reliable way out of England in roughly the mid to late 1960s, and then in the United States roughly in the mid to late 1980s, most famously in Taos, New Mexico, and Kokomo, Indiana. Chewy Town, Alabama, those sorts of places. But now with the the idea that we have, we can see this is a worldwide phenomenon, and we'd like to separate it from some of the pseudoscientific and a bit more ridiculous sort of commentary that seems to surround mystery sounds in general and Mm -hmm. sky trumpets and Gabriel's horns and all those sorts of things.
0: But this is something that is... uh you, we're not talking about just like. Uh, I know that a lot of folks, as they get older, I, I work in radio. You know, I tend to get this like ringing in my ears over time. And, uh, and as people get older, you know, they might get bouts of tinnitus and they might hear these, these little bits of ringing. But this isn't something like that. This is something that when you hear it, you know that it's happening.
2: Well, tinnitus is an important part of the discussion. And the reason why is because even though it's quite a different phenomenon than the world hum, tinnitus is self reported. And one thing that I um, like to do in all these interviews, uh, wherever I've gone, is that I like to insist at some point, and we can do this right now, is that I, I like to ask the radio host two questions if you would indulge me. Sure. Number one, uh, do you do you believe that tonight, tonight uh, excuse me, do you believe that tonight this is real? I do. Number two, why do you believe it's real?
0: Hmm. I would I would have to and, say,
2: and, and, the, and the very and the very fact that you paused right um, was that moment where you understood the implication, which is that tonight is self-reported. So the, the next logical point is, if we believe people who report a high-frequency ringing noise, why would we not believe people who report a low-frequency humming noise? And the answer is simply because fewer people fewer fewer people experience uh, it. The classic description, by the way, if, if your viewers or sorry, if your listeners aren't aware. Is that um, the hum sounds just like a, a idling vehicle outside one's home, and it's louder at night than during the day, and it's louder indoors than outdoors. Those are the primary characteristics, but it has other features as well.
0: So that's you know that's been consistent with all the reports going all the way back to when it was first reported in the sixties.
2: Yeah now as as it turns out I'm um, just looking at New New uh, Bedford right now on the World Hum map and it's kind of interesting New New Bedford has a population of around 95,000 if Wikipedia is correct and Fall mm-hmm. River is a little bit smaller at about 80 80,000 Right. what's really interesting is there actually um uh, the World Hum is is underreported in in your particular location like um the worldwide continent seems to follow population density. I think that's why the eastern seaboard of the U.S. tends to be so densely packed, and England of a spectacular number of hum reports, but in your area it seems to be somewhat underreported, and that's, that's sort of interesting. This is the first time I've looked at the map in this area, but yeah, the the what we're hearing now and all the reports that I get, and I have over 17,000 entries on the database, they're all largely consistent about the what these people are experiencing, and uh, these people comprise a lot of very um, ordinary and everyday people, and some very serious people as well, and scientists and and the doctors and lawyers and all that sort of thing.
0: So, with this map and, and the reporting that's been done here, how have these reports come in? Are these are these uh, examples of the of the hum being reported that you found yourself? Is this people have been submitting these?
2: No, I in the spring of two thousand twelve, when I first became aware of this noise, I embarked because of my background in, in science and mathematics. I just assumed there was a logical source for it, and it took me on a really interesting journey. And um, those details are available elsewhere online if people are interested. But what it what it did ultimately is brought me um, to the internet and doing a search, and I discovered that this is a widely reported phenomenon. But unfortunately, it's been associated with all kinds of ridiculous conspiracy. Uh, and pseudoscience, and I thought that it was uh, very much time for um, a serious and organized uh, forum for discussing it, documenting it, mapping it, and ultimately leading toward a, a an explanation for it.
0: See, because uh, you know, I work in the news department here during the week, and, and as part of that, we share our news stories in different local groups in, in the New Bedford and Fall River area, like different social media groups, Facebook groups, things like that. And I see a lot of people in there reporting you know, these hums, reporting, hearing these. So I think it's just a matter of they haven't known about your site to go and make those reports. And, and now that they will, I, I think you're going to see a little bit of an explosion in this area of reports coming in.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the impact of this show has on reports from that area. But I would also stress that there are also a large number of perfectly everyday explanations for hums, and I'll use a l- lowercase h for that. Everything from a fridge motor to, to marine traffic to even float slow- Transformers. Uh, the point is, once we eliminate all of these obvious sources, we seem to be left with the generic worldwide phenomena.
0: average person is listening and they experience this hum or they think they've experienced this hum what is the process that they should go through themselves before they think that it's it's something worth of worth reporting to to your site
2: Working theories now that we'll uh, that we think um, explain what the hum might be and just where just a period you know we're just methodically working through those theories and we're pretty sure that we're going to arrive at a, at, a, at a solution before long.
0: And uh, Was well, that anything that you can share with us? What, what it may
2: be? Yeah, um, yeah. The 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 uh, Dr. David Deming in 2004 s- suggested that powerful BLF military transmitters. Um, Used primarily by the, um, by, by the American Navy, uh, the Russian Navy, and uh, China, uh, those low-frequency, very low-frequency radio transmitters were the source because that would help explain the timing, and a few other details that I'll, I'll, I'll spare the listener. So I actually um, built a special box, a special unit, and um, that was designed to block this particular frequency of radio waves, and and I. <laughs> And I, got, and I got in the box. Now, this, this box is what caused Inside Edition and Coast to Coast AM and few other, the larger uh, people to get interest. It's captured some of the public's imagination, but the, the part that they didn't report very broadly is that that locking unit failed. In other words, I'm now reasonably convinced that electromagnetic radiation is not the cause of this phenomenon, and I think now the most likely um, answer is the second one I'm turning to which is that the HUM is an internal medical condition similar to tinnitus, but it, it presents itself much differently. Now, we don't know why. The thing that makes that kind of unusual or odd is that the fact that why did it start in England and why did it start when it did. And so we think maybe there could be a connection to either particular medications, uh, uh, a, a prescription medications, um, certain environmental exposures, Um, we're still speculating on that one but the next thing I am going to turn to is that notion that it's an internally generated sound again, like tinnitus but probably on some different uh, auditory pathway.
0: So if that's the case then, of the reports that you've gotten, are you getting multiple reports in the same region from different people who are experiencing it at the same time?
2: Yeah, and, and and what's crucial to note is that one of the questions I ask is I, as I ask people to actually match the tone, um, we have a, an online generator, and we get people to lower or raise the tone until, until it matches what they hear. And we'll find that numbers of individuals who live very close to each other are, are reporting that they are perceiving different frequencies. For anyone who has the audio background, I'll mention that. I, I, I perceive the hum at a roughly 50, 56.5 hertz. Now that that's that hurts. That's, a, that's an audio frequency, not an not an EM frequency. But wherever I travel in North America, after about three days, um, the hum returns at about the same frequency. And I just mentioned that air travel tends to tends to disrupt the hum for anywhere from three to four days. That's something else that we that we've discovered. Well,
0: that's, I mean, that's not uncommon. I mean, the first time I ever flew was only a few years ago, and it was cross-country. And Mm -hmm. it took me a a while, you know, more than a day to be able to kind of re re reaccentuate myself to ground pressure, you know, to have my ears pop and to to no longer feel. Like, it it had a physical toll on me, uh, the descent coming down, and it took me a few days to adjust. Sorry, go ahead. Well I'm just wondering you know if maybe that's you know a similar type of physical impact that it takes that much time to readjust
2: um, it's actually been, it's actually been studied as a German research researcher by the name by the name of Frosch and he's discovered that air travel also disrupts what are known as autoacoustic emissions, thereby suggesting or therefore suggesting that the hum and autoacoustic emissions may involve some of the same structures. He and a few others have suggested that if particular structures in the ear known as the semicircular canals uh, in response to air pressure changes like flying or spending time at high altitude uh, may, may interfere or interact with with the hump so um, there are people who are turning their research sites um, into that portion of the au- uh, the auditory system, and with, with any luck. Um, Before too long, I I can convince a serious university or private lab to take this over with proper equipment and proper funding so that I can get on with my life, (laughs) (laughs) quite frankly.
0: Well, I mean, just looking at the the sheer volume of reports that have come in, and as you you mentioned, you know, the the depths of the area uh, being along the eastern seaboard, I mean, you're talking about people who are operating at sea level uh, or, you know, just slightly above. uh, So it's you know but you also have people who are at other altitudes that are experiencing this people who are in europe who are at higher altitudes that are experiencing this so you know it's it, everybody's body that may be having these symptoms uh are at different physical uh, different physical positioning so it's not like it's anything that would be based on you know maybe the the Physical makeup of this person. If you put them at this altitude, to put them at this altitude, like my ears will pop if I go so high. Uh, somebody else might it's be able to have a little bit more
2: pressure. Any human being, once they get to a particular altitude, eventually things will stabilize. It is it, it is that change in pressure which it's suspected is um, is behind this. Now, until until my project got up and running, it was there. There was an assumption that people who heard the hum only in particular, in particular um, regions and locations, that we know now that that's not the case. And the vast majority of people who travel report that they will hear the hum roughly in the same way, no matter where they go. So this is not, this this world hum is not caused by a standard local sound. It is caused by something else. And so, uh, again, as, as you point out, the huge variety of geographical locations, altitudes, age, gender, it really distributes wherever we wherever we find people, we find people who, who who hear the worldwide hum.
1: So we have a couple of questions that are in the chat room. And sure. one is they asked if the audio attacks in Cuba could be related or not to this hum.
2: I was interviewed for um journal, um for the big for the big Canadian journal. Uh, on, on this topic, and I, the reason they called me was not so much the connection to the world hum, but because um, in in all my work, I've managed to have a sort of a working vocabulary and knowledge of a lot of audio topics. I I, I think it's clear that there is some sort of um, sonic weaponry. Uh, being operated there and possibly ultrasonic um, using localization techniques i don't think that there's any connection to the world hum though no
1: and and then we also have one other question that the did anybody ever use measuring electronic measuring devices to actually record the sounds of the hum or can only the witnesses yeah. report it by ear hearing it
2: yeah, no, that, that, that's an excellent question, and um, th- there are people who have claimed to. I, I am of the opinion that the worldwide hum has never been recorded. Now, there's uh, probably the most well-known uh, recording is from a, a Dr. Tom uh, Moyer, uh, M-O-I-R, out of Auckland, New Zealand. Now, I've, I've interacted with Dr. Moore and he, and however, all of my inquiries to him have all gone to dead ends. And he also told me that the very phrase, the very phrase humdrum comes out of the Industrial Revolution of England, which it, which it does not. And so I've, I've, I've written off those claims. Numbers of people, probably out of all the hundreds of emails I receive every month, usually five or six people send me recordings. And unfortunately, there's not a lot I can do with those recordings. I can do some analysis and in some cases pick out frauds or pranks. And in some cases I can I, I can pick out simple mains, hums, like any hum that comes in at 120 hertz audio or 60 hertz audio is probably based off the electric grid. Um, but there have been people who have attempted, including myself, by the way, using high-sensitivity um, infrasound microphones, have actually had no luck in recording, uh, what, uh, recording what we hear.
0: Well, I'm going to throw a, a question at you that has, and this might be a loaded question because we only have a few moments left, but this, this will involve some pseudoscience to it. Sure. And, uh, sure. you know, we work in, in, in the paranormal realm, and, and we work in ghost research, and in part of that is we record what's called electronic voice phenomena, which are disembodied voices that imprint themselves on their recordings. Some people right. think that they're the voice of ghosts. I don't think so, but I think that there's certainly something that is – imprinting these words onto these recordings and one of the one of the ideas behind it is that it's something that we're projecting out ourselves and it's we're not consciously aware of the fact that we're making these sounds and that we're we're just kind of putting them out there in the ether is it possible that this hum is something that's coming from us and actually going out and becoming an auditory phenomena so it's not something that is internal but something that we're somehow putting out in changing the vibrations around us, therefore changing the sound waves around us, like a physical thing no. that we're doing.
2: No. Okay. Because I I think now now uh, I mean let's 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 be fair. I, I for example when it comes to ghost research or other types of um, psychic or if we even broaden that to talk about psychic phenomena in general, that in telekinesis and thought projection, you know, remote viewing. I'm not claiming that these things, point-blank, do not exist. What I'm saying, uh, saying is I've seen absolutely no evidence to suggest that they do. And with regard to the latter category, James um, James Randi, as many people know, um, has a one, one, $1 million check waiting for anybody to demonstrate convincingly any of these phenomena.
0: We- I mean, we, we, can, we can have a James yeah. Randi argument another time because he's put so many <laughs> restrictions and, and it doesn't kind of work the way that he wants sure it enough. to work. But anyway, I mean, that's something we can talk about another time. I just, I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea that people that are experiencing this ghostly phenomena, it's actually something that they're doing, that they're just, you know, the same idea that when a Ouija board operates that it's somebody using their you know motor skills without realizing that they are. You know, I think that this is part of what we experience with course research, but we can save that for another time. I do want to give you a chance, though, to let people know, because this is, this is not a, 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 a cheap endeavor to be able to, to compile all this information and keep all this information up, and it's something that you've been doing just out of your own uh, research and out of your own pocket. There is a way for people to make a donation if they want to help with this research.
2: Um, I, don't, I don't openly solicit uh, on these shows, but I'll say that... Well, I can.
0: I'm openly soliciting for you.
2: Okay, sure. The 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 donations uh, will you know, barely cover the cost of web hosting and that kind of thing. But if they go to uh, the hum.info and if uh, they click on who is behind this project, or if they go to the blog and click on who is behind this project, there are there are links there for people who who wish to who, who wish to donate.
0: But the most important thing is for people to go to the site, to go to the hum.info and share their reports and share their experiences.
2: Um, it's just one hum here at a time, and we will eventually wear down the walls of incredulity and apathy
3: and i think
0: i I think that uh you know spreading the word out here in this listenership area will help because like i said i've seen so many of these reports come across and now people know where they can go to report them and and have them all collected so doctor thank you for what you're doing and and, uh, certainly we'll be in touch in the future and we can expand this into a a much longer conversation and and really get into some of the nuts and bolts my usual co-host one of them i will uh, you know, let you know. In fairness, is a psychic medium, so we might have some friction there. But uh, also, uh, one of my co-hosts is a, is a scientist uh, who has, you know, looked into this on his own in the past. So I'd be interested in having a, a good back and forth with you guys as well.
2: I would enjoy that very much. And thanks for having me on, Tim.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And now uh, we will be in touch. Take care. Bye. Take care. That is Dr. Glenn McPherson. Again, the website is thehum.info. If you want to report. Absolutely report any experiences that you've had, uh, put them up there on the site. We're going to be taking a break in just a minute when we come back on the other side we'll have Ross McHugh joining us in studio. I think john 's going to take off, uh, but we'll just we 'll make Ross sit in that seat and he can keep an eye on the chat room too. He 's usually in the chat room anyway exactly. he knows how to do it yeah. so uh, we 'll get into all that as well. And when we come back on the other side, too, I want to let everybody know about something that 's coming up, a fundraising event. The details are still be, still being worked out. But uh, we will let you know how you can help a very special member of the paranormal community who is having some health issues. Uh, You might know about this already, but we're going to give you some more info. And when we come back on the other side, we'll talk about how you can help out with some medical costs associated with this, this beloved person, beloved creature, I guess. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast in a minute. My new co-host for the hour, we have Ross, who's joining us. Ross, yes. you are normally joining us over the phone. Over the phone, if yes. you call in,
4: this is a different uh, different side of it for me. But this is definitely amazing.
0: <laughs> it's you've been in the studio while we've well, done the show, though. Yes. So yes. you've you've seen how we pretty much operate on a wing and a prayer. Yes. For most, and we are definitely we doing do that, that tonight. tonight. <laughs> you came over. You came in, and I said, the first thing I said to you is, you're going to be running the chat room." While this is Perfect. going on because I don't have access. This is my internet computer for the night. <laughs> oh, so we're kind of we're messed up in that regard. And then I tried to call our guest in the last mm-hmm. hour, Dr. Glenn McPherson, who, fascinating discussion about the worldwide hum. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly we're going to revisit that with an entire episode somewhere down the line. But I'm trying to call out to him because mm-hmm. we were going to do the interview over Skype. Yep. Can't do that Yeah. with no internet. So then I'm like, okay, well, we'll give him a call. And then I go to give them a call, and I can't dial out on the phone line. jeez. Oh, so I don't... Um, they're upgrading everything, yeah. but I think they just said, oh, yeah, you guys can do the work on the weekend because nobody's around. <laughs> they, they forgot about Spooky South Coast. Well, that's not that's good. That's all right. We're going to have nice fancy new phones in here. we got this big TV in here now. Yep. You know, permanently installed cameras. So we're definitely moving up. Yep. It's just sometimes, you know, they... They, they don't have it. everything they, put together. They don't plan the work around Spooky South Coast. Yeah. So that's all right because we just make do and... We talk about the paranormal, however we can. Exactly. And uh, we are going to get into some because you're a musician yep. and you've brought your lead singer here. Is that yes? Is that my this? lead singer and Go co-guitar ahead. player, Introduce Dan him. Lossy.
4: This is the uh, the immortal Dan Lozzi from Seven Day Curse fame, local fame. And, uh, and also... you,
1: you
0: yourself, you know, people know you as Ross yep. on the line, but you're a musician. And yes. You're also a paranormal investigator. Yes. And uh, you've been on a number of different trips and events yeah. with us and. We've known you uh, quite a few three, years three, now. Yeah? Yes, so
4: three four years. Yeah.
0: And uh, we, don't, you know, we always enjoy going out and investigating with you, but yep. you don't only do it with us. You're all, are always out there looking for different adventures. Yes. So we're going to get into some of that coming up. But I, just, mm-hmm. I want to let everybody know about one thing first. And I can't reveal too many details yet because we're still kind of finalizing the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this week we found out that there is a member of the paranormal community who is under the weather. And that would be Max Borden. Mm -hmm. who is the official cat of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. Oh, no. Anybody that's been to the Lizzie Borden house, whether it's for an investigation, for an event, to stay overnight, for a tour, you've encountered Max most likely. Uh, He walks around like he owns the place because he does, in fact, own the place. It's Max's house, and he just lets everybody else come in and and have... Fun there. So Max has been ill, mm-hmm. and we're not exactly sure what is wrong with Max. Poor Leanne has been running around to different vets and having different mm-hmm. tests done, and they can't really figure out exactly what the issue is with Max. Mm-hmm. So uh, he is scheduled to undergo some MRI work on Monday. Uh, it was supposed to happen the other day, but they said let's wait and give it the weekend and see. Uh, so Needless to say, as all this has been going on, the vet bills have been piling up for poor Max and and for Leanne. So we said, how can we kind of help out with this? So we have been reaching out to a lot of our paranormal friends. And and it's – listen, we've built a great network with Spooky South Coast over the years. For sure. All of these people that are on paranormal TV shows, like we can just pick up a phone – uh, we can text them. We can call them. We can email them. We can get them to respond. And so what I did is I put together a group of, you know, the the paranormal celebrities. And I said, here's where the situation, we want to do some kind of an auction. Who would be willing to donate things?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No judgment if you can't, if you don't want to, whatever. You know, it is, it's a cat. So yeah. some people are like, yeah, I'm a dog person. I don't really, you know. Some people are like, if it's a person, maybe the- everybody that we reached out to has gotten back to us and said, I will absolutely donate something for this auction. So we're going to work out the details. We're going to stream it live from the Lizzie Boyden bed and breakfast. And we are going to have basically all the items that we can have. will be right there. We'll put them up on camera. We'll give you a chance to know ahead of time what they are. Uh, We'll have the opening bids based on, you know, kind of what they're worth. And we will conduct this auction style worldwide. People can jump into the chat room just like they can on Spooky South Coast and make bids. They can call in on the phone and make bids. We'll come up with different ways to be able to make bids. But our goal is to take all these donated items that people are going to be donating, and we are going to be auctioning them all off with all the proceeds going to help pay for, for Max's medical bills.
4: That's really awesome.
0: And one of the interesting things about it is, and I don't want to give away too many details, but of course, being the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast, there's going to be some investigations involved in this. Oh, we're going to be auctioning off some spots to investigate the actual house itself with very small groups. Uh, we're going to be investigate. We're going to be offering you know different things and events that are going on. I don't I don't know if I want to give away yet exactly what some of the stuff is that we can bid on, but. A Good Friendship Coffee. Oh. Donated a reading. That would be amazing. A phone reading. Uh, I think I can give this away because I talked to, to, excuse me, I talked to Nick and Elizabeth this afternoon, but a year subscription to the Haunted Space will be one of the, which the, if if you haven't been to the Haunted Space on on Mm -hmm. viddy.space, you know, if you haven't gone to what they're doing there, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So we might be, you know, letting a little bit of a cat out of the bag, no pun intended, (laughs) But these are some of the things that we'll have. And also, the news came out this week that Donald Woods and Leanne Wilbur, who Mm -hmm. run the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast, they closed this week on Maplecroft. Oh, So they now officially own Maplecroft. That is amazing. That's the house that Lizzie Boyden moved to after the trial, the house where she died, uh, which has been undergoing uh, a great amount of renovation over the last few years. The idea is that they're going to turn it into a bed and breakfast, just like the murder house, and people can have their choice of where they're going to stay when they want to come to Fall River. But there may be some investigation of Maplecroft involved.
4: That would be very interesting.
0: So we'll see about all that uh, as it all comes together. But stay tuned to Spooky South Coast and to our social media and to the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast social media because we are going to announce it. once. The problem is, is Leanne's been running around so much yeah. taking care of Max and actually getting him to these vet appointments and and, uh, and and having all these tests done that we haven't had a chance to work out and finalize the details. But Hopefully, all of our paranormal friends, especially the ones that are in the area that are donating, you know, we want to have them come to the house when we do the event because it's one thing if you know somebody sends along a T-shirt; it's another thing if they can be standing there holding the T-shirt and you know showing support for Max and for the Lizzie Borden House and all that. So, right. more details to come on that.
4: Sounds like it will be a good fundraiser. I and, hope so. And, and he's part of the experience when you're there. Really, absolutely. You know, like, if, if he comes up to you because he's still a cat. Right, he I is have very cats. he's I very finicky
0: cats. about who he wants to interact <laughs> with. We he, he and I have had a very interesting relationship over the years, mm-hmm. where you know he sees me so much that he recognizes me and he knows that I am supposed to be there, but he also really doesn't care that I am there. Yeah, you know, he's like, no, I smell dog. I am a cat, cat. <laughs> but I I had a cat that looked just like him. You know, oh, I, really? I had an all black cat. He was a little bit longer haired mm-hmm. than Max, but uh, he was the complete opposite. Whereas Max wanders around and he's always jumping in and out of the windows yep. and everything. Not my cat, my cat would never leave the house, so <laughs> sounds like mine. <laughs> yeah. if, he, if he lived in the Lizzie Boyden house, he wouldn't last very long he was no. He was definitely a scaredy cat, <laughs> but Ross, you're not a scaredy cat, no, because uh you you are in you have a foot in two worlds, yep in the paranormal world and the music world, neither of which is for the faint of heart no, and we've been talking for a, a while now about the fact that there's a lot of crossover, yes, with the two, yes. I mean what when did you first start to realize that there was something to you know the the paranormal spreading into the music world
4: well I guess it all goes back to the early 9 uh excuse me the late 90s when I started um one of the bands that I was in started uh practicing at a local studio I won't leave I'll leave the names out but um it was apparent to several people after Um, being there for several months that the place was extremely haunted and um, I do believe at one point there was a local group that went in there and documented several different hauntings there along with the owner of the studio and that's where it all started to begin because I mean this was a place where bands congregated they practiced, they had you know parties and there was all sorts of different nefarious things that had taken place there and it had just a very bad history and um, it really started from those late '90s, early 2000s experiences.
0: And, and for anybody that's never been in a band, I mean, I was I was in a band for you know an event, so I didn't. <laughs> I'm not really a musician, but, you know, we went to a place where bands rehearse, and there mm-hmm. was multiple bands that had rehearsal space in this building. And when it comes to a place like that, you know, it's not like you're Guns N' Roses and you're renting out this place, and it's just, you know, the band being in this location rehearsing all the time. There's different bands coming in and out, yeah. different styles of music, yeah. different people, different lifestyles. And uh, so there's a lot of different energies that are coming into these places and, and leaving themselves behind. Yeah. Um, but this was definitely a, a, a haunting, and not so much just residual energy from what's being put out there.
4: Absolutely not. It was absolutely haunted. Um, you know, and there's several stories over the years from several different people. Um, there was tragic. There was a tragic death that took place on the property, um, and which almost precipitously upped the energy there, and, and things seem to have kind of ramparted and gotten crazier there after that. And uh, Dan and I both have stories that we've collected and heard from and experienced and shared together over the times that we were there.
0: So we know that Ross is a weird guy, <laughs> that he's into all this stuff. But, Dan, is this something? <laughs> Let me make sure I turn you on there. Try that. Is
3: that
0: No, I guess maybe. Are you on this one?
3: Yeah. I
0: don't know why that's not working. Oh, I know I was, there we it. Go. Go. Hey, there there we you go. There go. Somebody turned the wrong button off. See, right. we have we have a, a new guy in here in the afternoons that's learning the board, and he doesn't really leave it the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> but uh, so so you you're you're normal. You're not you're not weird.
4: No, I'm weird. <laughs> definitely all right, weird. good. I think then we you all have to this. be yeah. to be into heavy metal somewhat, you know.
0: Yeah. So, but you you were going to this rehearsal space too and, and having
3: strange experiences. Yeah, well, the the big thing is, well, just real quick, just to, um, you you talked about the crossover, it, the type of music we play. I mean, it, it's as extreme as it gets. And um, once you get into the realms of like thrash metal, grindcore, especially death metal, what we play, mm-hmm. even black metal, the, uh, to me lyrically, there's always been those supernatural themes in that music. Going back to even Black Sabbath before our genre was even completely formed. So that's where I think the – to me, it's, like, very natural we would come on a paranormal show. I mean, even lyrically, some of our stuff gets into that that world. But anyway, uh, the the main thing that I told Ross we should bring up at the studio was, um, you know, we saw the owner not too long ago. And one thing that would happen there is, you know, now you see surveillance cameras everywhere. It's Mm -hmm. a part of life. Back then, this was a new thing having surveillance cameras up. The only place I had them was like banks and 24 hour gas stations. So he'd catch a lot of things on tape. And, um, long story short, things, events would take place and he would go check the surveillance footage and and we would see it was real and predominantly was, you know, people would, there, there was this one security guard that passed away and people would be arguing, fighting in the hallway because they would sit, like the word had not got around that he had died, so people who didn't didn't know he died had been going up there, having conversations with the guy, wow. and so whenever this would happen, you know Luke would be like, hey, you know, when did it happen? What time was it? Oh, you know, Friday night at nine o'clock, and he would checked the surveillance tape every time. And sure enough, whenever someone said this was happening, there'd be footage of this person or whoever said it at the time just standing in the hallway talking Talking to nobody, right? But the really weird thing is that me and Ross just recently found out was that apparently this one security guard, after he died, he, you know, was still watching over the place. There were two different accounts where people got into physical altercations with him. After he had died, neither one of them realized the guy had died. One told him, one had called the police and said, you, you know, He called the police and then called him, said, if this guy comes any closer, I'm going to stab him. And he had to go and explain to him, like, after this all happened, you didn't see anything. This guy was dead. And I, he didn't. But
0: they, he was know, physically accosting them. It blew, them. blew my mind when I
3: heard that. He was getting in Physic, It would be like as if you held me down right now. This one guy said he was being held down by him. Yeah. One person they found on the ground with blood dripping out of his head. And the next day, you know, he said he had been attacked by this guy. So something and, happened I mean, to. This was like as physical manifestation as you could possibly imagine that I personally never even heard of. So See, I always it, tell uh, people ghosts can't hurt you. But maybe I have to rethink that. I'd never believed that. I, I believe, I mean, like Ross was saying, I mean, we all hear about the yeah. tap on the shoulder and no one's there. I think they can touch you, you know. Yeah. But I never thought it would
0: get to that point where somebody's no, laying eager, on the ground but, you know, bloody. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. And I guess what the, uh, the particulars of the story were is there was somebody that was kind of living next door and um, he was reworking some parts of the studio doing some um, maybe maintenance work there. And um, he was walking out one day late at night to go back to his apartment and um, he hit something and um, he hit his head on a pipe, I believe that's what it was, one of the lower pipes and he was like a taller guy and the, the story was is that he was there all night, par- partially unconscious, but the parts that he wasn't was conscious, he felt like this person that had passed was holding him he down, saw him. He says, but he saw him yeah. and, and again, yeah. I
3: don't think he was he was another one that was yeah. not aware right. that he had- Die, and i know? think
4: this took place maybe like uh, within a like year or so after he had passed yeah. and he never met this person right. so but he described him to a t so which that's, is that's, some
0: that's freaky pretty stuff.
2: freaky yeah. yeah
0: and and so the, you'd mentioned the genre of the music that you guys play is death metal is that
3: yeah,
2: yeah. one it of the bands yes just so we bands, have death um, metal so i mean what's yeah. the what's
0: what's the difference for for somebody who's not that, I mean, what, what, how would you describe the genre of music to somebody? It's, uh, <laughs> it,
4: Definitely if, if you, you
3: want to go to the different levels, yeah. classic heavy metal would, would be like, you know, I mentioned people like Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Then you get into thrash metal, Exodus, Nuclear Assault, Metallica, Slayer, you know, yeah. old Metallica. Metallica yeah. I'd be specific <laughs> to say that. Um, then death metal is just, um, it's as extreme as it can get. Um, bands like Suffocation... That capable so, corpse. It's like you, you really can't understand sounding. anything we say, yeah. and that's done intentionally. I mean, it's just like we, we're not – we don't pretend like people can but understand. But it's
0: high energy. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yes, fast, fast and, heavy. And so there – but it has – even though you can't understand the words, it has those themes. It has yeah, those dark yes. themes to it. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, some might say that you're kind of inviting with mm-hmm. the themes that you're doing and with the energy that you're putting out, you're kind of inviting in and also – giving amplification to these type of things that could be around you. Uh, I mean, Ross, you know when we go on events, there's people who always do protection prayers right. and different things. I mean, is that something that people that are in that genre will do? Do they, do they try and make it so that, hey, this is just part of my life that I want to express musically, and I don't want to have these things kind of follow me around, and I don't want to have these, these type of occurrences happen to me in real life?
4: I would say so. I mean, I know, you know, for me, from the paranormal side, I definitely do some kind of protection. But, you know, as as well as there are bands that devote themselves to darker themes and, and even promoting certain types of negative, some in certain views, negative types of religion and negative types of themes. I know for us, we kind of do more of a positive spin and more of, you know, like different themes than traditional bands. We're,
3: we're very unconventional with... But, um.
4: With our uh, message lyrics. versus what the music <laughs> yeah. sounds like. But, yeah. You know, and it, and it can range from different social themes to paranormal themes to, you know, dark and twisted things and gore themes, horror themes but, tend to run. But isn't the but, point
0: of, of, of making this kind of music, isn't the point of that to kind of be to to get that out of you? Oh, and yes. yes. And Absolutely. To, and to have other people who are listening to music I and experiencing right. music be able to also kind of be like, let me throw all that stuff into this experience. Yes, The, the
3: yes. thing where the problem arises, and we just talked about this a few weeks ago on another interview we did, I think that, um, you know, I know growing up when I was into this, this music's very powerful. Um, you know, I was an angry kid. I didn't fit in or whatever, so I was attracted to it. And um, I, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of bands that, despite the fact they look in the crowd and see all these young kids, I don't think they're really worried if they put out a negative message. Like I always say, I'm friends with so many different bands. These bands can go out and sing about whatever they want, promote whatever they want. If it's negative, I don't care. Me personally, though, I take responsibility. I don't want some kid to do something stupid and then say it was because he, you know, he saw it on one of our T-shirts or something. Mm-hmm. I'm very clear about what our message is. I'm not promoting anything negative. I try, despite how the music sounds, I'm trying to put out a message of, you know, Keep your head straight. Try to stay away from drugs and bringing guns to school, and all these other terrible things that are going on. But, I mean, it, you know, and it is ironic that we're giving that message versus the music that we're putting out. But it is too just hearing the music and, and and being able to play it and
0: being able to hear it from the listeners' perspective, the audience perspective, just being able to kind of let all that out well, musically. Like even if it's not a, right. what's involved right. in the theme, but just
3: just having that release. All yes. more cause because. Of, because the better the bands are going, the more calm I am, yeah. without a doubt. Oh,
4: yeah. Without it's doubt. definitely a cathartic yeah. episode.
3: So, mm-hmm. but
0: having that mm-hmm. kind of, it's an energy transfer. That's what it yes. is. Yeah. And having that happen and putting that out there is going to certainly affect the environment around you. Right, right. definitely. Right. And uh, it's, it's I can understand why, you know, there's probably some people who choose to, like if they do have the darker themes, you know, right. we, we, we've seen, especially... Huge bands, popular bands, guys like Marilyn Manson, for example, a guy who that's a persona that he played on stage, but then it becomes his life because now he's a celebrity. So he can't just go play a Marilyn Manson show. You know, Alice Cooper can't just go play an Alice Cooper show. Now he's going to be Alice 24-7. And so when that becomes your lifestyle and when that becomes the way that you live your life, you, it's not just an escape for you anymore. It's not just an outlet. And now you're surrounding us And you've probably seen bands that have been like that where they, you know, they live the message. Right. Right.
4: Uh, I mean, there's bands from Eastern, you know, from uh, the Scandinavian countries where it took it to an extreme, and they were oh, killing each other and burning churches. And churches and and killing, and, yeah. mm-hmm.
3: But, you, you know, you know but, too, I mean, and, and yeah. I'm not, look, I'm not, my, our name's Branch Davidian. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a happy name. I'm, I'm not sugarcoating any of this. But, like I said, we're one of the few bands, like, I think that's um, very aware of, the, you know, we're trying to hopefully do some good with this. And again, it's it's not every day you're gonna find something you know, like that. Yeah. And I I would argue that you know may, that name might not necessarily be negative, maybe not,
0: because to the people who were Branch Davidians, right. it was a very positive part of their life. Right. Oh yeah. And uh, and I think as the as the Waco show is going to show people, right. you know, it's not as cut and dry right. as people make it out to be right. too. Right. right. I mean, everybody has their own viewpoint of things, and everybody has their own what they think is is right and good and natural and. Yeah. and you know, what you think is positive or what you think is being, uh, you know, good, I might have different degrees of that too. Right. So, and I think that that's certainly with music, that's something that apply, uh, something that appeals to people is that music is a huge gray area right. and people get out of it what they get out of it. Right. And I think that that goes for, you know, ghosts as well. I think yes. that they might be drawn to that. So when you tell me that there's a lot of crossover with paranormal experiences and people who are in bands, you know, the first thing that I think of is the fact that you are just as much a draw to them as you would be to a living person, right? Because they have the same like I'm connecting with this message, I'm and you have the added benefit of, uh, you know, you can say too it's you're putting out actual sound waves and you're right. putting out actually something that they can manipulate and put back to you. Right. Um, I'm sure that you guys have done recording in the past. Yes. Yes. And yes. Uh, have you ever had voices show up on your recordings that weren't no. anything that you were no. aware no. of? Not, I not, not in
4: the studio probably, but I know that... Um, uh, that's, well, that stuff's yeah. heavily shielded. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's been times where we actually conducted an investigation at that uh, practice studio. And um, unfortunately, I don't... It's probably more than twenty years old since we got that, but I'm sure I know that there was some voices on that.
0: You well, know, I'm, on, I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, not that I'm calling you guys old, but you've yeah. been doing this for a while. I mean, oh, there yeah. was you're probably sitting there with the Radio
3: Shack four track oh, sometimes, yeah, no, you know, oh, yeah. just yeah. kind of making like tapes. We had the Maxwell tapes. Yes. that we were put yeah. them on. <laughs> yeah. It was a sophisticated. But the,
4: um, you know, and and you raised the, you know, the question you brought up before about you know the music being an outlet and you know can amplify you know paranormal activity. I think a lot of the reasons why that place got even more haunted was for several reasons, and then there was just several different types of bands in there that played similar music to what we were into, that that could have amplified a lot of that. Um, at one point in time, <clears throat> there was um, so the building used to have an had an attic that was um, a um, kitchen. It was like a dining yeah. like a kitchen. It used to be a business, and uh, for years this place was covered. They, they had, like, two different stairs that you could go up to get into different sides of the uh, cafeteria. And uh, the the stairs were blocked by couches and just garbage. And um, it seemed like the more they cleared that out and made those rooms for other bands, one of the bands that used to be up there was, I think, a satanic band, ironically. Um, and they, I actually got some stories from one of their happenings. Um the, the activities seem to have increased. so.
0: Well, let's just say that uh, a band practice spaces least best friend is the Fire Marshal. R- How uh, would you know? <laughs> yeah. from, that's like the one guy yeah. that you don't want to see showing up. Definitely uh, not. <laughs> from some of these plays. But, you yeah. know, I, I think that, that um, there are some people who will look at the kind of music that you play and say, well, you know, that's that's... Right. You know, that's the music of the devil. You know, you're asking for this when you started playing that stuff. The same people who said, you know, I find it really interesting when I play a record backward that I can hear things. It doesn't mean that I want to believe the things that I'm hearing, but I'm just fascinated by the scientific process of how do people figure something out like this. And so that's like, well, now you're just inviting these things to happen. And I, I think that you could probably argue that it's not that you're inviting these things to happen, but... It's just it could be drawn to it. Right. right. And it could be the fact that whatever it is, I mean, I don't want to say that it's evil, but negative things could be yeah. drawn to this. Yes. Especially with the high energy output of it. You know, if you're a ghost, if you're a spirit, if you're some sort of creature and you crave that energy, I'd much rather go and try and suck out the energy of your band than I would, you know, just the guy playing an acoustic set. Right.
4: Right. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in in the medieval times, there was what they called the devil's note, which was the tritone or the, the uh, diminished shift. fifth, yeah, which right. was which was popularized by you know Black Sabbath yeah. used that, and you know, I I guess maybe for argument's sake, there could be something to that, but you know, yeah. it's also too like I I think it's a lot of what you put into it, you know. I mean, we talk about in the paranormal field about Ouija boards, for example. You know, it's what what is your intent with it, you know.
0: And I'm I'm sure there's – and I don't mean – I mean, I know I'm asking a lot of questions and you have stories to share. Sure. uh, But we'll try and – well, feel free to just work them in if I'm I'm asking too many questions. But I'm sure there's also – you know, I've written a book about haunted objects. And in that book, one of the things we talked about was there was a haunted violin Mm -hmm. in Wareham, the town that I'm from. Right. And uh, and I'm sure that there's a lot of cases of instruments that have – been said to have been haunted. And you probably know people yep. who have had instruments where they say something weird goes, you know, I could be home alone and all of a sudden I hear this thing playing in the other right. room and right. stories of that nature. So I'm sure that the instruments themselves can have attachments to them as much as the places can be haunted. Right. It's not like everybody's going out and buying something brand new. Right. You know, you're buying new stuff. You're, you you are know, you're picking up stuff wherever you can. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of energies that come attached to that stuff. Right. Right. Has, there, has that ever...
4: I can't say that's ever happened to me. Um, you know, I've heard of haunted ha- haunted um instruments, but I've I've always tried to
0: you know if you heard about yeah. it you'd want it. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the base I'm but buying I, next.
4: Unfortunately it would probably sell on eBay next to the the uh the ghost boxes for $4,500 Right, plus that's music. the problem. Super <laughs> oh, haunted on uh, it becomes yes. worth so much more.
0: <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> being musicians, you must look at some of these devices that people are putting up there for four or five thousand dollars a minute. Like, that's a fifty-dollar guitar pedal uh, yeah, with uh, a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, it's, I've always
4: been kind of interested in to try to maybe take some of those things apart and see what they're made of. But
0: uh, yeah, sorry. don't pay fu- don't pay forty five thousand dollars before before you do that because you'll, so. be, you'll be pretty upset. Yeah, Yeah. So, well, why don't you share with us some of the stories? Um... Sure.
4: So, um, I did receive a couple of stories from Dave McDonough, the um, the director of um, Groundhog Day, who has been a guest on the show. Which,
0: by the way, was yesterday. So, yes, how's that it was. for?
4: I, I think they Symbianism. celebrated their one year. Yes. <laughs> Synchronicity. So, um, Dave told me a story about him and his uh, is one of his bandmates, and they were um, they were standing in their practice room. And they were trying to taunt some of these ghosts, and um, all of a sudden they hear children running down the hall. And the um, after after they heard some of the children running down the hall, the door flung open, and the um, latch for the lock from the outside hit um, the other gentleman in the ear, and his ear started bleeding profusely. Well, they ran to the uh, the bathroom, which was right down the hall, and right before they got to the the bathroom, the sink turned on.
0: So they were getting... Even though they got maimed by a ghost, they got a little bit of a helping hand, too. Yes,
4: yes. Um, there was another time where the um, one of the bands was practicing in the basement, and um, they were playing around with a strobe light. And um, the drummer had indicated after the strobe light went off that somebody had tapped him on the shoulder three times, and he had asked Dave about it, and Dave said, no, that's the, it wasn't me. And um, later on, they had... Um, the bass player had come over and asked them, hey, who is that guy that came in in, like, real high shorts and, like, real high socks? And all of them were looking at each other. They're like, well, the door never opened once. And he had described one of the people, the gentleman that had been seen by other people who had passed.
0: So I'm just thinking, real high shorts, Mm -hmm. real high socks. Tap the drummer on the shoulder with one hand. It was definitely... The guy from Def Leppard, right? <laughs> except, he's <dead. laughs> except he's not dead. <laughs> no. So, which which guy? Which the, the drummer. <laughs> oh. oh yes, yes. Uh, with Rick Allen, is that the drummer? Rick, yes. I can it never remember which yeah. guy is which yeah. in, in Def Leppard, but yeah. I know I shouldn't make one arm jokes about yeah. drummers, but. <laughs> but he also, also he also, also wears, a... wears the shorts with yes. the.
3: I got yes. the best Def Leppard joke of all time. If you want oh, before geez. we go, is but, is, but is, the, this, it, is
0: it air appropriate? Yeah, it is. Can
3: go over the radio. Yeah. All right, hit us with it. A friend of mine, um, I, he's, he's uh, a little older than me. He's been to many shows over the years, concerts and stuff. And uh, he happens to be related to this young lady sitting behind me. And I asked him one time, I'd always pester him about what bands he saw. And I'm like, hey, because I was always in awe of these bands. He'd see them at the height of their careers. I'm like, did you ever see Def Leppard play before? He goes, twice. Before and after the um. No, oh, that's a great answer! <laughs> oh man,
0: I, you know I don't think I've ever seen. No, I've never seen them live. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, they're playing what? They're playing Fenway Park this year, are they? I they think come so. Yeah. so yeah, are so. they doing
4: a retirement tour finally?
0: Or? No, they're never no. going to stop. No, probably not. Well, that's the great thing about about music, though, is that you can meet your heroes. Right. I mean, it's it's you never know who you're going to cross paths with, and, right. and and I've talked to celebrity musicians who have had paranormal stories before. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, you know that I've been talking to a guy who's a lead singer in a pretty famous band right now. He's, he has paranormal experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I, when I talked to Eddie money, you know, Mm -hmm. he said, Hey, you know, I've never really had anything weird happen, but I've heard all kinds of stories about weird stuff happening. So it's not an uncommon thing, but. It gets even worse when you get into the point where you're getting on the road and you're traveling and you're staying in all these different places and all these energies are behind. Is there any stories that you've been able to collect from, from bands that are on the road that have maybe stayed in, like, a haunted hotel or a haunted motel or something?
4: Not not in particular, um, but I do know from, you know, experience. We were on the road this summer, and uh, we were kind of in the border of um, New York. We were kind of in, like, the Saratoga valley area in the middle of the night and i felt that eeriness feeling there well that whole area yeah, it's yeah. just it was that's your like hollow area yeah real real dark feeling but there's, so. there's
0: probably a lot of places like that where you know if you're especially ross you yeah. go out looking at i don't know dan if you do any investigating you know outside of having these experience in the music
3: world right you you pick up a sensitivity to these things yeah I am. Um, I've picked up a lot of stories. The, but one thing. Um. Try to remember. Uh. Th- th- there's a band. Uh, someone who has a friend of mine that's got a lot of stories. Is that uh, there's a straight edge band from er- Erie, Pennsylvania, of all mm-hmm. places. Uh, and it is a little eerie yeah. out there. He was a good um show too. Yeah. Yeah. he was um, <laughs> eerie in Indiana. He's got a lot of stories. You know, he had this great one I love that uh in Pittsburgh there was a family he knew or something and they had a they had a oh, grand thing. piano. And what's creepy is the way he tell the stories like yeah, in the middle of the night they heard it playing he goes ragtime piano down in the basement, which is kind of freaky. Um you know, he had a lot of stories, even in his own house. He he said there was something in the attic. Yeah, he went outside and looked oh, up, and right. there was a light on and a window open, and he's like, well, how on earth did that happen? He, you know, he went up, shut the window, put the light out, went back out, it was on again, and, uh, you know, this was after his wife or someone had, had thought she saw someone in the hallway, and I guess he went up in the attic, and he said, listen, he goes, whatever you are, you can stay up here, but I can't have this window open, and it was freezing out there, and... um. It never happened again, but I mean, he he straight out, he's like, "Man, I'm telling you, I I went out there. I just shut that light off. I mean, it was right back on. The window was open again, and uh, you know, I'd been in the Amneville house. Wait, wait, hold on, what?" Yeah, in the house on Long Island. You've, you've been there. Huh? Yeah, all from torn. from just you know, just like walking by outside. I've walked right in front of it. I've stood on the front lawn. I'm very jealous. It's of a, it's it was amazing. And,
0: uh, you also, I should warn you, you can't say that word on this show. Why? Oh, that's right. Uh, Things happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything's, everything's already <laughs> yeah. gone wrong tonight already. Great. So,
3: give but give me an example you, of what it, happens. Oh,
0: we've we've completely for. had the broadcast cut out I've, when we've talked because about because you it. said that because we said the a word. Oh, yeah, we've had we've had computers shut down. Um, I'll tell you my creepy Amityville story. Right. So uh, Jackie Barrett, who is, is a psychic, who yeah. works with Ronnie DeFeo, the Amityville murderer, right. she, she wrote a book with him. He was one of the children. He was, right. he was the oldest one, the, right. one the, the, right. the one that they think committed all the murders of the DeFeo. Oh, the DeFeo family. You're, you're not talking Lutz. about the Lutz who moved no, in afterwards. The, okay. the DeFeo's at first. Okay. So she wrote this book with him, and right. originally I was going to help work on that, and right. it turns out that Jackie said, no, i got to just do this myself. Right. And so we had her on the show to promote it when it first came out. And she said, I have a message for you from Ronnie. What? And I said, Mm -hmm. what? Ronnie DeFeo has a message for me? And he said, yeah, he warned you to stop, you know, looking into this because it knows about you. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? Whatever evil things there knows about my interest in the Amityville case and has been reaching out to us. So when we talk about it, that's what it is. And we've actually had one of the Lutz kids on the show. Well, I'll,
3: I'll, I'll tell you this. That's amazing. You had one of them on. Um, Good friend of mine. Is there somewhere I can listen to it? Oh, yeah. It's on
0: SpookySouthCrest.com. It's it's on YouTube. There
3: there were times often where I wondered, like, um, you know, right after I visited it for the first time, there was just things that I was kind of like, wow, I wonder if it was connected to me going to check it out. But um, the thing that got me about it that I tell everybody is how painfully normal the neighborhood looked. Mm -hmm. In the movies, they portray it like it's way off i mean you've seen the movie like right. it's it's out in the woods isolated right near the water this is like this is like right up against the street up against the sidewalk the houses are all next to each other it is in no way isolated um, which is why the neighbors hate all the publicity yeah well out. do you know they they signed an ordinance you can't go looking at, you go sightseeing there they can they can give you a ticket yep. and um me and my friend were very well planned out both times we went I said, um, this is what we're going to do. We, we, there's a pizza place or something, a laundry mat or something at the end of the road. And um, we parked there. I said, we're just going to walk by. Because there are people walking around. Like, sure, yeah. Like people just that a regular in neighborhood. Residential neighborhood. And, sure. and uh, it was like the same thing. I, I saw the Jackson 5 house once, which has nothing to do with this. But I saw where they grew up grew up. That
0: might be weird with me. Yeah, yes,
3: you're right. But again, it was funny (laughs) how, I mean, I just remember kids jumping rope in front of the house and people walking their dogs and nobody cared that the Jackson 5 grew up there. But anyway, um, I said, let's just walk by casually, just walk by, take a look at it. And um, I had a camera on me and I kind of like put my hand up and really uh, casually took a quick picture, just snuck it back in my pocket. I have the picture. And um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, I mean, to me too, it goes beyond the ghost. That's my childhood. Like I was all into that stuff. And I mean, it was fun as much as it was scary it was very fun but um, yeah i saw it twice it was um, it was it was it was a trip to be able to see it so you're going to want to give Dan some of the archives some yes. of the videos yeah i'm we, definitely going to let listen me tell that.
0: you we have talked to we've talked to Jackie Barrett we have talked to Chris Lutz uh, we have talked to Laura Dididio who was the journalist that chronicled the story in the newspaper right. Uh, we've talked to Ryan Kassenbach, who's made documentaries about it. We've had a lot of shows
3: about the A word on the A-word. show. Over Two the years. quick questions before, we, if you don't mind. Sure. DeFeo, what I can't remember because I've seen so many different interviews with all these people. Does where does he stand? Is he? Does he say that there was something demonic that possessed him, or did he, he say it was a joke? They did.
0: You? They did at first try to portray that. No, Because, you know, they they try to say that he didn't commit the murders. Right. Uh, but they did try to say uh, that there was some sort of negative thing in the house. Right. They got away from that over the years. Okay. And now, since he started working with Jackie, yeah. it's come back up as being okay. like there definitely is some sort okay. of negative it, it, entity there.
3: Question number two. Because a lot of people have accused George Lutz of making up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. That pitch, You ever seen the picture with the kid peering over the railing? Right. Which is, from what I understand... Is more than
0: likely from because that was from an investigation that right. the Warrens right, conducted, right, right? And that's more than likely it's probably the investigator that was there that night. Hmm. And really, there was, there was one investigator there that was with him. So the ghost okay. boy photo might not, might not be legit, okay. but it might a, be. A,
3: regardless, what where so many people have accused George of making it up, where the, the child that you had in here or that you, you know or whatever, where does he? This, child, this person stand? What does he say something was going on when he lived there? From what Chris has told me and I've talked a little bit to Danny too and I've
0: seen Danny's documentary right. who is the other brother. Right. Uh, from what I understand is Chris says that the stuff that went on is far worse than what they portrayed. That George was fully inviting these things into the house. Right. Uh, that it was, you know, what we saw in the movie and in the book might have been made up or right. might have been fabricated or what right. have you but that the ex- they were having uh horrifying experiences wow. because he was dabbling in all this stuff right. and he invited it all into the house so Excuse me. If you have somebody that's into all of this stuff already, and you're moving into a house where these murders just occurred, and these murders might have been influenced by right. some sort of dark entity, you know, it's all kind of coming in a confluence of, of right. evil that's right. leading to all these problems. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely one of my favorite topics. We yeah. could go all night oh, on, yeah. Oh, yeah. on Amityville. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely have to do that sometime. Yes. Yes. But one um, one of the things that I I was thinking of is is there a, have you ever heard of a case of one particular song? Drawing Because, so, you know, we go to investigations and we'll hear, oh, you know, when you play this song, the spirits act up. And so we'll bring recordings of that song and try to use that as a way to kind of help something manifest. Have you ever heard of a song, where, when a particular song is played, that is when activity is stirred up?
4: I've heard of um, Stairway to Heaven. I was you know, going to say. On, cause... You know, usually at midnight. Um, I always kind of thought it was more of a, um, more of like a urban legend. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I can't say that I haven't tried it myself. <laughs> it's, it's definitely... Listen, if I'm things driving... Things have gotten weird. If I'm
0: driving down the road late at night, that song comes on, and I'm yeah. by myself, I turn the channel. Because yeah. there's a lot surrounding yeah. that song, huh? Yeah. yeah. There's been a yeah. lot of stories. Wow. And and what's funny is, you know, the story has come about that the song was written by the devil. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, it was kind of just either... Depending on the story, different stories that I've heard is that, uh, you know, Jimmy Plant... Uh, Page. Jimmy, Plant, Jimmy yeah. Page bought the house that Alistair Crowley lived in. I was just telling her that the other day. And that he may have been doing automatic writing where he just laid there and he, you know, kind of just let the pen flow and the words came through. Robert Plant has said that that's not... the. You know, he's he's come out and said, you know, well, I remember sitting there in the sessions and going right. back and forth. You know, if I, stuff that we put in, stuff that we took out. And then it turns out they probably stole the whole song from another band anyway, because <laughs> that's what Led Zeppelin did. Yeah. But, so there's all these stories that are out there that that is, and, and I always believed that as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, there's a chance that this song was written by the devil, and it would freak me out. When I was in college at UMass Dartmouth, this might get a little I used to have to use the bathroom, and I used to like to go to the fourth floor of the library because it was the least populated bathroom. I can go have some privacy. So I would go, and I I would grab a book, and I flagged the book. Anybody (laughs) that watched a Seinfeld, the book was flagged. But there was a book that I just happened to grab one day, and it was stories about pop culture instances where Mm -hmm. there was the occult. And it was different songs that were said to have been written by the devil. And in this book, it debunked the whole story of Stairway to Heaven being written by the devil, but it said... The one song the devil did write was Hotel California,
3: <laughs> <laughs> which I can't stand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. I mean, I can kind of understand but, that, uh, too.
3: I, I also look at it, if nothing else, I mean, how whacked out was Jimmy Page that that dude had no problem by himself by him. sleeping in that house with right. right. Alistair Crowley? Well, I yeah. mean, if you look I into mean, Crowley a in little bit.
0: John you
4: know. If,
0: if you look yeah. Is that the house yeah. John Bonham John Oh, really? Died if there. you oh. look into Crowley, though, like, a lot of that was gimmick. Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, a lot of it was kind of like he just wanted to live this lifestyle where he could do whatever he wanted. Right. And just, you know, take whatever he wanted, have sex with whoever he wanted, not suffer any consequences. So you live this lifestyle right. Right. Uh, associated with it. But still, like that's putting, like we talked about, you're putting out a vibe. You're putting out an energy. Right. And that can have an impact.
4: And who's to say that the stuff that he tried to invoke didn't actually open something?
0: Right. I know. mean, even though you're just doing it as gimmick. Yeah. You're still... It's probably worse if you're doing it as gimmick. Right. Because, because you really don't know what you're playing with. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, so uh, there's yes. certain songs, I think, can have an impact on... Like, there's... Yeah. I remember... Uh, I, I don't even know what it was, but I was, I was a teenager, and I was driving around in one of my old beater cars, driving around Marion, going down Point Road in the dark, and I just turned on... I think it was the call i think it was the UMass channel you know college radio and i just hear this song that is it's like a baby crying and you know it's it's a metal song but there's like mm-hmm. a baby crying in the background mm-hmm. and there's like all this like uh, ominous dark stuff yeah. happening in the song and i was like whatever this is if this was daytime i'd be like cool turn it up yeah. but yeah. for hearing that song and that moment yeah. It just freaked me out to the point where I said, no, none of this. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I immediately turned around, drove to, like, where at least there were streetlights and people around and just kind of had to recompose myself. Because music can have that effect on right. you. Yeah. Right, It certainly can. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, when a musician makes music, you hope that it has a, right. that effect on somebody.
4: Well, wasn't, um, I believe, didn't you guys have a guest on who talked about certain um, cultural implications of, like, satanic imagery and so forth and, uh in um, in music and pop yeah, culture yeah. in the seventies.
0: Especially where it uh, it became you know a cottage industry right. for a while. And uh, that's kinda of what we focus on. I can't remember yeah. his name but I, I right. the um, the book was uh, was it Hail to my sweet Satan? Yes. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the author yeah, but yeah that was a great fascinating yeah. discussion.
4: You know uh, and and I think um, I think more or less for me there's just there's certain bands. You know there's certain bands that if you listen to like you know you brought up the song that you heard on college radio you know, um, even though some people think it's a gimmick, you know, what was the greatest trick the devil ever pulled? Convince right. In the world, it didn't exist. Uh, but you there's know?
0: also some bands, too, that they, they have that mystique, that that mystique eventually wears away. Right. You know, like a guy like Alice Cooper had that mystique for a long time, and then you realize, oh, Vince Furnier is actually a really cool guy, and he's yeah, nice, yeah. and he plays golf. Right. So he's not really that evil. Right, right. And uh, And, you know, Black Sabbath had that reputation for a long time, and it turns out that they're just a bunch of... Regular guys. Yeah. And uh, and Judas Priest, you know, Judas right. Priest is the band where people are playing their records backwards and killing themselves, and, yep. you know, you find out, like, they're just a bunch of dudes. Yep. Right, right. So it, it, if you can build up that mystique, sometimes that mystique is carrying that ominous thing. Right. And, and, and I'm sure as the members of the band, you're saying, like, what is this thing that we've created? Right. And in yeah. some ways it's good because it sells T-shirts and records and <laughs> yeah. concert tickets, but in other ways you're like, what are we doing here? What are we... What is the messages that we're sending here? Yeah. Right.
4: But, you know, and the, and the other part of that is, you know, I, I think one of the biz- biggest examples of music influencing young teens is the um, case based on the documentary of Paradise Lost where the three teens murdered a, a female, you know, based on the uh, Slayer song, Alter of Sacrifice. You know, and they thought they were invoking some kind of satanic ritual, and it was a pretty brutalized case. You know, I mean, and, and it's and they directly thought the music influenced them, you know, and, and it's just it's interesting the profound effect that sometimes these things can have on people's minds and thoughts and uh it's, see, that's, Yeah. It's I just, it's, you know, and I know there was a lot of blame towards the band and towards the songs and whatnot, not that I necessarily agree with it. But it's interesting that that's kind of what they pointed out as their motive on top
0: of it. Well, but th- that being the case too, like you know, Tipper Gore and that whole crew is always no, looking to find any kind of thing yeah. that they can in the music. Like I remember the Judas yeah. Priest trial when the when the kid had killed himself. You know, they said that when they played the record backward, the the phrase that came across was "Hey mom, my chair is broken." Yeah,
3: like what does that have to do with anything? Right. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, just because you can make out words doesn't mean that. Don't worry, that's not haunted. Right. That's, right. Yeah. that's just you magic. read it's my
3: thing. mind. I'm like, wow, who's doing that? <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, it's and, the Amityville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, and there was the
4: other case with uh, Ozzy in Suicide Solution. You right. Know? You know, there was that lawyer who swore swore that he was saying, "Get the gun, get the gun."
0: And that's still, I mean, right. that still weighs on Ozzy's conscience to right. this day. You know.
4: I I always loved the video though of where they show that, and Ozzy just stopped for a minute. And he's like. Get the bleeping gun, man! <laughs> and he just—he's speechless.
0: <laughs> we've done entire shows too, yeah. where uh, God rest his soul, our Gary Patterson used to come on. Mm-hmm. We talk about rock and roll legends and curses, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and we would talk about the Beatles and all the backwards, you know, the backmasking right. that they would do in that stuff. So, we only have a few minutes left. I want to say, give me the best story that you've collected, if, if or at least the next best one, if you've already shared it with us. So. I mean getting your head smashed in by a ghost is pretty yeah. pretty bad but.
4: so we were up in in the uh in the attic of the old cafeteria one time and we were just doing some you know like precursor EVP questions and it was midnight um, we were asking to have something make its presence known um, I went up into the little front corner room and I just started taking photos and I immediately saw, like, I guess it could be more described as, like, a small, like, golem-looking creature, like, trying to push into a door that wasn't there. Wow. Later on, we went into the front room, and we noticed that there was a locked door from the opposite side. So the door was locked from the inside, and there was a mirror, a stand-up mirror facing the door. Um, One of the things that I had found... doing research at that time when you're trying to invoke a portal you face a mirror towards a door um later on that evening we were there and i remember we were asking it questions and it was like the sound of a thousand things scratching on the ceiling and it was so loud and terrifying i think it was just you know like scooby-doo beat feet and right but and you know i can laugh about it now but i mean this was a very terrifying experience that's you
0: know, like when you're, when you're a band and you hear something like that, you're like, oh, okay, let's play, like, happy birthday now. Yes. You know, <laughs> let, let's, let's switch gears a little bit yes. here. Um, so. We only have a few minutes left. Let everybody know about the band, how they can sure. find out more information, where they can go and see you. Sure.
4: So, um, the, so there's two bands. So both of us have um, that we're in together, and we're co-joined by a couple different members. The first band is Branch Davidian. You can visit us on our webpage on Facebook, Branch Davidian. Uh,
0: to say, band, like, do, you, do you ever get like weird emails from anybody?
3: Yes, or? from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. We've
4: had, especially recently, with all the movies. <laughs> you yeah, sure, can yeah. see uh, um,
3: viewership going up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs>
4: um, you can find our music on Bandcamp at Branch Davidian, um on Bandcamp.com. The other band is Medjugorje, um, named after the village. And you um, should
3: probably spell it because that's I was a, gonna yes. say... You, you Go yeah, it's it's named after the yes. village. Um, Go ahead, Dan. Croatian Bosnia no. area. M um, E D J U G, O R, J E, Medjugorje, and uh, that band. What I would suggest is if you go to YouTube, we have a video a song's called "Spoils of War." Um, I would look that up because that's kind of right now where both bands are riding on like, the success of that video. Uh, it just it was well put together, it's just a performance yeah. video that we filmed it up. Uh, but but it's, you look at look up that and you'll probably find some related videos of Brandon Savidian mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, some shows where both bands are on the same bill so you know, I, I would strongly suggest looking that up
0: so I'm just going to assume your music is actually better than David Koresh's though right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> David, for sure David Koresh who spent some time in New Bedford right
3: did he oh, really? I'll
0: tell you that story wow. off the air um, it, I heard it on Chris McCarthy show well, I can't take credit but, wow.
4: uh, we, we still got a couple we got a minute?
0: we have uh, one minute
4: you can also find our music right here in New Bedford at uh, Purchase Street Records. Oh yeah, yeah. Visit, yeah, yeah. visit Roger; he has um, copies of the Medjugorje album and T-shirts, and, uh,
3: and just go in there anyway, even if you don't yeah, want to check give out stuff out. Business, Roger's so. been a big help to us awesome. over the years. Go,
0: yeah, huge, huge supporter of all local music. Yeah. Great friend of this show. Yeah. Go into Sp- go into Purchase Street Records. Tell Roger that you heard about it on Spooky South Coast, and I guarantee you, he will not give you a discount. Because <laughs> <laughs> did you see he had chips enough in there? Yeah, when Enough's Enough, you know, there was, uh, uh, Dizzy Reed had a band, and Chip's Enough was in the band. So Chip goes into Purchase Street Records and goes to buy, uh, you know, one of the Enough's Enough records, and uh, somebody wrote underneath it to Roger, did you give him a discount? And Roger just writes, no. (laughs) Because that's that's Uncle Roger. (laughs) All right, well, we are out of time. We will be back next week. I know next week I have wrestling. Uh, Uh, Down the street here at the VFW Hall So you can come out and check that out as well It'll be for a good cause Uh, All of those uh, House of brick shows are for fundraisers for, For great causes So come on out and see me do the ring announcer thing And then get home in time for Spooky South Coast Because we are going to be talking about the paranormal We'll have some more guests in as well If you need to reach us at any point during the week, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow along with everything that we do on YouTube, uh, on the Spooky South Coast app. Wherever you can find podcasts, you will find Spooky South Coast. We appreciate all the love and support that we get from everybody here as we are now in year 13. Big
2: things are happening. So until next week, for everybody involved, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular.